0: We are going to be in the book of Mark. We're going to be in the book of Mark. If you have your Bibles, turn to chapter 12 in Mark. Turn to chapter 12 in Mark. And we are on our last series of Uncommon. We're on the last series of Uncommon. Everyone go, aww. No. But next week, week Uh, we start a new series in Jonah. Everyone go, yay! Um, So that's going to be awesome. But here in the last series in uh, Uncommon, say, ah, ah, everybody's a comedian. Um, We are going to talk about Uh, We're going to talk about how exactly we, personally, you, are supposed to live an uncommon life. Now, we talked about a little bit of this throughout each series, and we talked about what an uncommon community looks like. We talked about what an uncommon God's love looks like. We talked about an uncommon church and what that looks like. But we never really talked about, here is what you need to do. We never really talked about, here is what you need to do and with all like these messages and if you've been to church your whole life you've sat through a lot of messages about this is what you should do a b c um or you've sat through school like this is what you need to do to pass your homework or this is what this is how you become a success successful person um whatever that might be and we do a lot of different things but this This message is really important because this message um, and and the instructions right here uh, are really everything, if you believe in Jesus and you're a Christian, everything comes down to these three staples, these three things. So like... We talk about you should come to church, it, it boils right down into these three things. You should be nice to people, it boils right down into these three things. You shouldn't swear, it boils right down into these, uh, these things. You shouldn't look at uh, uh, horrible things on the internet, it boils right down to these three things. You shouldn't, you shouldn't um, uh, do different things that like, hurts people or hurt yourself, um, it boils right down to these three things. So we are in Mark chapter 12, starting in verses 28. Now there's a backstory to the passage that we're about to hear. And this passage might be something that you might hear uh, if, if you've been in the church your whole life. This might be something you've heard before, um, but might not be something that you've actually acted upon. And you might have heard this, the more famous one is in Matthew, but we're looking here in Mark, and um, what was happening here in this, in this story is that Jesus is basically having a debate with a lot of the scribes and the Pharisees, and basically uh, the leaders of, uh, of what should be the, God, the, the Bible at that time, because they didn't have a New Testament, because or reading the New Testament, okay? So what they had is the Old Testament, and they had scribes, they had Pharisees, they had all this stuff that kind of was supposed to be keeper of this and teach the people, but they weren't doing a great job with that. Um, And they were asking, and they were debating. And here's the thing. They would debate in public... They would ask Jesus questions in public, not necessarily to get a true answer out of him. They weren't trying to just really have good questions. They were basically trying to stumble him. They were basically trying to ask questions that could trip someone up and that could make them fall and crash and burn, right? Um, That's what they were trying to do. And in this culture, publicly, they would do this. If they actually had a true question, and and most of the time this would happen, they would actually go to him in private and ask real questions if they actually wanted the truth. But here we see that they're trying to stump him, and and he's asking different questions. And every single time, Jesus gives an amazing answer and stumps them. They try to ask a roundabout question. He gives an amazing answer. They try to do it from this way. He gives an amazing answer. They're basically trying to trip him up, and they're not getting to the point. And it comes to this point where the, one of the scribes sees what's going on and finally asks a tr- almost um, a truthful question because he sees that they are, like he's, he's just smarter than people. He's smarter than the whole crowd. And it says this in verse 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them discussing with one another, and seeing that he had answered them uh, them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? So he asked, which commandment is the most important of all? Now, if you're a Bible nerd like me, you know that Way back in Exodus and Deuteronomy and Leviticus and all that, they give 10 commandments, stuff that you should live your life by. These 10 commandments were the basis of their law that they had in the Old Testament. And it was stuff like honor your father and mother. It was stuff like don't take the Lord's name in vain. Um, don't have any uh, um, uh, images in front of God. Um, don't murder people, you know, like don't covet. Don't. Like, these are nor- like things you should live your life by that are good things. And he says, what are the greatest commandments? And even by that time, a little history with this, they added stuff all the time. They're like, well, it says this, so we're going to add 30 laws to that. We're going to add this. They had hundreds of laws by this time. Uh, and they're like, this is how you live your life. We have 500 rules to listen to. Um, and so that's where they're at. And Jesus answered him in verse 29. Jesus answered, the most important is, the the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the the Lord is one. And so he's starting to get into what this is. And before he even answers the two important uh, uh, commandments here, He starts off with, Hear, O Israel, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And that's a very interesting phrase that he uses. It's a very interesting phrase that he uses, and he uses it very specifically because this phrase is not only qu- starting to quote scripture, and in verse 30 he's quoting scripture, and it's in Leviticus and Exodus and stuff, and I think Deuteronomy as well, uh, this, this is found, um, but he's quoting something that's the sh- shalom shall shaman shaman I got it right um I had to think it in my mind and say thank you thank you very much shamam Shama 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 that's it Shema everyone say it with me shama. shama all right and here's here's what this was. Here's what this was. This was a common prayer that people who, who were in um, uh, practicing uh, the, uh, uh, the law, which was the law of the day. That's a good thing. God set up the law during this time. They would, they would say this prayer, and basically it was showing that two things, two things, that one, God was with them. God was with them. And two, God was one. One God, and that God was with them. That there was one God, and that God was with them. And this is the first thing that we need to realize. When living your life is an uncommon life, the first thing before you do anything, you need to realize that there is a God, there is only one God, and and the only way you can be with him is to accept that one God, and if you have accepted that God and realize what he's done for you, he is with you. There is one God to follow, and he is always with you. That is the basis of everything. That is the basis of everything. And I am am sure there is people in here that have never surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. I'm sure that there's people in here that's never surrendered, surrendered their lives to a God who came down and died on a cross and rose again. And he he gives this opportunity, but there is one God, only one way, and he is with you. Why is this important? Why is this important to understand? First of all, understand that God is more powerful than you. God is all-knowing. He's, all, he's, all, he's always there. He's always present. He's omnipresent. He is always right there, uh, everywhere, and he's more powerful than you, understanding your problems, understanding your struggles. So that should, one, show that you can have faith and trust in him. Two, it should show you that if you do something wrong, He's right there. He knows. You do something good, he's right there. He knows. So number one, God is one, and he's always with you. And then he goes into the second thing, and this is our responsibility it says this in verse 30, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is a second thing. So first one, God is there and he's with you. Second, you should love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. What does that mean? And everything you do, whether it's with your mind, whether it's with your heart, whether, whether it's with your feelings, your soul, with, whether it's with your strength, you should be honoring God with everything you do. And honoring God is not just going up and putting a love lock on the stage saying, I talked to someone. Honoring God means that you are going to be obedient to your parents even when you feel like it's not right. Honoring God means that when you're, when you're down, you are not going to use the Lord's name in vain. And the Lord's name in vain isn't just, isn't just saying um, GD this or oh my, and then God. It's not saying stuff like that. It's also, it's that too, but it's also just flippantly using God in random conversations when you're not really even meaning it. Lord's name in vain is also when you say that you're a Christian and then you go out and you just slander the the name of Christ in your actions. It's more than just words, people. It's in your heart. Because it's not just with your mind. It's with your soul. It's with your heart. It's with your strength. Honoring God is knowing that you are to do what is right Not what feels good. Honoring God means that whatever you do, you do unto the glory of God. Someone said this to me in college, and I don't know why I never thought of this. Um, the The Scripture teaches that you should do everything to the glory of God, and it shows it right here. You should honor God... Um, and everything so before you do something can you honestly say to the glory of God I do this to the glory of God I'm going to cheat on this test I'm deciding to cheat on this test to the glory of God I'm going to play xbox for five hours on Saturday and not go to bed until three o'clock in the morning now listen I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you we shouldn't relax. I'm not saying that, like, Xbox is evil. We have Xbox here. What I'm saying is, is that can you honestly say with some of the decisions that you made, to the glory of God, I will do this. I know my parents want me to clean my room, but um, they didn't say it, so I'm not going to do it. To the glory of God, knowing what your parents want you to do, can you actually do it? To the glory of God, I'm not going to take my phone in with me late at night because I know that I have a a sin problem. Or even even worse, to the glory of God, I'm just going to take my phone in there knowing that I have a sin problem. Before you make a decision, does it honor God? With your heart, with your soul, with your mind, and with your strength. So that's the second. What was number one? God is one, and he is with us. If you believe in Jesus, he is always with you. God is one, and he's with us. That's number one. Number two, what's number two? You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And number three, in verse 31, and the second is, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The third is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, what does that mean? Now, we have a push right here with our love locks and with our chain. And I hope that we're still doing that. I hope that we're still sharing the love of Jesus. And a main part, a, a major part of that is sharing God with others. And we, we have this goal. We want to get to 1,000 love locks, meaning 1,000 people have heard about Jesus because of you guys. We want to get to that goal. But it's not just about putting a lock on the stage or putting a link on the on the chain. It's not about that. It's not about uh, like th- this loving your neighbor as yourself. It's not about going into the store and going Jesus, Jesus loves you. Yeah, see, a peace, and then go and doing what you want. It's not about that. It's about looking at others with the love that God has because God surrendered and died on a cross and rose again for that person. It's about looking at someone and going, How would I like to be treated in that situation? It's about being friendly to someone, it's about sticking up for someone, it's about sticking up for the weak. It's about showing love to those who hate you. It's about showing uh, 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 mercy to those who don't understand you. It's about showing compassion to those who disagree with you. And let me tell you what. Our community, more than ever, needs people who will go out and love you others because God loved them first and they love others because as they would want to be treated. they need that. They need that. The crazy thing is in the next couple of verses, from verse 32 through verse 34, it shows that the the scribe asking the question, because of the words that he used, and he used uh, words that he would have known, they would have understood, he said, you know what, that is right. That scribe looking at that, that probably had doubts, that maybe wanted to ask a real question, but was maybe kind of with the group that was that was trying to stump them they were silent and the scri- the scribe back said you're right those are should they they are the greatest commandments And no one wanted to ask him another question after that because they knew they were going to be stumped and they knew what they were doing was wrong because they, were, they weren't showing that God was one. They weren't accepting that God was with them because like, it has a double meaning because God was with them right there. And no one dared ask them a question after that. For a while, that is. Here's the thing. Three simple steps. Simple to say, but hard to act out. Simple to say, but hard to act out. And as the band comes and we get ready to close, I want everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads. And we do this, we we close our eyes and bow our heads often. But I want you to realize that we do this because we, I want you to have a moment of reflection on your own life. I want you to have a moment of reflection in your own life. So with no one looking around, everyone's eyes are closed, everyone's head are bowed, I want you to think about your life right now. The first one says that God is one and that God is with you. And the Lord might be right there. He sees everything. He sees everything in your life. He knows how sinful that you are. But you don't have a relationship with him right now. You never have, really. You know he's there. Or you're you're thinking to yourself, oh, he, he might be there. And you come to church and you do all this stuff, or you might not ever have come, but you realize today that you need a Savior. You need a Savior. And he will be with you for the rest of your life, and you can have a relationship with him and grow with him and spend eternity in heaven with him. For the first time, you want to do that. Is there anyone here that would like to become saved? The second one, the second one is, is the the next two is that you want to, uh, or we should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The third is that we need to love our neighbors as we, we love ourselves, and as you reflect on your life, I want you to look specifically in the last month. I want you to look specifically as you've gone back to school, and I want you to ask you, I want you to ask this question: Have I lived an uncommon life? Have I been living my life for the Lord? Have I been living my life pretend, like acting out, believing in my heart that God is always with me? Loving Him in every action that I do and loving others? Have you been doing that? And here's the challenge. With everyone looking at me, you can open your eyes right now. Your dedication to God is not only private in your heart, but it is is public. People will know. And if you don't decide right now to act on your convictions and swander that, you are not listening to the Lord. So here's the challenge. Right now, go out and do it. Right now, live your life for God. You know that person that you haven't been kind to. Maybe it's in your heart. To their face you're kind, but to your heart you would cuss them out. You know that you haven't been living for God. Maybe in, in front of me you have, but in your heart you haven't. In your soul you haven't. Go live for God. Live an uncommon life and look to Him. And if you wanna make that decision, you wanna stand and make that decision, it's very easy. Just gotta stand right now. If you're not and you're doing it, that's fine. You could sit. I I applaud the people who do, and I'm I'm res- respected. I respect you for sitting because you're you're being honest. But if you want to make a decision that you are going to go out and live an uncommon life, you're going to create an uncommon community because God gives you the power. When we start singing, I want you to stand and start singing out loud to the Lord so everyone can hear. And then go do it. my Father, we thank you for who you are. And I pray that you give us the strength and the power to live an uncommon life. In Jesus' name, amen.